0: To a new series we're calling Make It Count, where we'll be thinking about the truth that's reflected in this timepiece how life is short, how it's much too precious to waste, how God made me to be a difference maker, and how I can take practical steps to make each day count, starting with today. But before I can make any progress toward making my life count, I must first make a choice. I must first choose whether or not I want a life that counts. And you may be saying, wait a minute, doesn't everyone want their life to count? And the answer is, sure, on the surface level, we all say that we want To make a difference, but on a deeper level, many of us refuse to choose a life that counts. Because of self centered fears and desires that compete on the inside, some people never choose to make life count. And because they never choose to make life count, well, they fall under a timeless principle. We want to talk about today. Ready? Here's the principle I cannot get what I want in life until I first decide what I want in life. So many people live with this vague sense that they're not getting what they want in life because they've never decided. They've never decided what they want in life. Nobody just drifts into a well-ordered life that makes a difference. If I want a life full of meaningful relationships, I need to choose that. If I want to have a deep connection with God growing in my life, I need to choose that as the first of many steps to make that happen. This is a timeless truth that is found on every page of the Bible. God is always pressing me to examine my desires and make a choice for what it is I really want in life. And in the Bible, God keeps calling me to choose a life that counts. And one of the ways that God does that in the Bible is by giving me real-life accounts of people who made the choice to make it count. Which brings us to the story of Esther in the Bible. Uh, let me give you a summary of Esther's life uh, leading up to her choice. And if you want to follow along, just turn to the book of Esther in your Bible or your device. It is about 500 years before Jesus came, and Esther is a young woman who loves God. She lives in Persia, which is today's Iraq or Iran, and as as one of a small number of God's people in Persia, she's part of a misunderstood minority. Uh, But that's not all. She's also an orphan. Uh, She lost her parents early in life, and so she has been raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. Mordecai is a wise and good man and a trusted official in the king's palace. And one day, the king decided to hold a beauty contest, and the king announced that the winner would become the queen of Persia over the whole kingdom. And Esther entered the contest, and with Mordecai's coaching, Esther won. And so Esther became the queen of Persia without anyone knowing that she was one of the unpopular people of God. And the reason God's people were unpopular in Persia is because they had a reputation for not worshiping anything or anyone except the one true God, which really bothered someone like Haman. Haman was the second in command underneath the king. And Haman insisted on being worshipped. And Haman noticed that every one of the government officials would bow down before him except one. And he knew why Mordecai would not bow before him. It was because of his faith. And so Haman hated Mordecai for his belief in God and, and decided to eliminate Mordecai. But being evil... Haman was not satisfied with just eliminating Mordecai. Uh, Haman decided that he needed to kill every person in the kingdom, in Persia, who had this kind of belief in God. So Haman hatched an evil plan in which he designed to trick the king into believing that the people of God were disloyal to him and getting the king to approve a mass execution of anyone who believed in God. Well, Mordecai heard about this plan, and so he immediately turned to Esther. Not so much to save himself, but to intervene for it. All the boys and girls and men and women of the kingdom who were about to be slaughtered. And so Mordecai sent word to Esther in the form of a note about the evil plot that that Haman had in mind. And Mordecai begged Esther to go to the king and tell him how he had been tricked by Haman. But by asking Esther to go into the king's presence, Mordecai was asking Esther to risk her life because being queen of Persia uh, was a privileged position, but it was not a powerful position. As queen, Esther was really not so much the wife of the king, but just one of the hundreds of servants in the palace. And so the rules applied to Esther, just like all the other servants. And here's rule number one. Anyone who approaches the throne without being Personally invited by the king will be executed, so that was the rule if you maybe you got a boss like that, but if you come before the king uninvited, you die. Your only hope was to have the king extend his scepter to you, and then you were pardoned. So after reading this message from Mordecai, Esther now wrote her own note back to Mordecai. And in effect, this is what uh, Esther wrote. Mordecai, thank you for your lovely message, but let me see if I have this right. You're asking me to walk into the king's presence without an invitation, which we both know carries a death sentence. Then, in the unlikely event that the king spares my life, then you want me to proceed to insult the king by telling him that he is being tricked by his most trusted advisor. And then, if uh, if I'm still alive, then... Uh, then I'm to so top it all off by telling him that I'm one of the hated people of God who he currently believes to be his enemy and worthy of death. Am I missing anything here? Uh, as always, love getting your cherry notes, Esther. So this is the kind of note that uh, Esther wrote back to Mordecai. Now it's Mordecai's turn to write one more note, and now he responds with words that come right from the heart of God, and these words appear in Esther chapter four, beginning at verse twelve. when Esther 's words were received by Mordecai, he sent back this reply: "Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all God's people will escape. for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for God 's people will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish and who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this then esther sent this reply to mordecai go gather together all god's people who are in susa and pray for me when this is done i will go to the king even though it is against the law and if i perish i perish Esther made a decision about what really matters in her life and what she really wanted in life. And Esther made the choice to make it count. And God gives me Esther's story to encourage me with three truths about what it means to make it count and to make that choice just like Esther. First, God teaches through Esther that making my life count means making the choice to thrive and not just survive. Esther was presented with an unusual set of circumstances that forced her to choose whether she was going to take a survivor approach or a thriver approach to life. Esther had to choose between saving her skin or stepping into an adventure that had great impact. It was either a survivor mentality or a thriver mentality. And she chose to make it count. How about you? Don't settle for a survivor mentality. You know, I know married couples who have been married for decades. And you know what their grand purpose is? Their grand goal in marriage is to not kill each other. (laughs) They only have a goal to survive, to stay married, not get divorced. This is the survivor mentality, but marriage doesn 't have to be that way, along with countless other couples. My wife and I had decided to thrive in marriage we want to know each other better and better. We want to call out each other's gifts and stretch further and further. We want to enjoy more and more wonderful experiences together. We have that vision of walking hand in hand into uh, teenage drivers and college bills and going deeper and deeper in debt. But we're thriving toward the poorhouse, and that's worth something. Don't take a survivor mentality to your marriage. You know, I know parents who have this same mentality, survivor mentality, when it comes to parenting their teenagers. You know, they, uh, they follow Mark Twain's advice. Uh, Mark Twain said, you know, when a child turns 12, he should be sealed up in a wooden barrel and then fed through the knothole. And then at 16, plug the knothole. <laughs> that was the advice. That, that's the survivor mentality. And I know parents who have taken this kind of, let's just get through these teenage years kind of mentality. And in the process, wasting precious days because a case can be made that the, the teenage years when our Sons and daughters are in that most important place where they most need acceptance and approval at home and most need at least one adult in their lives who loves them enough to want the very best for them. Choosing to thrive instead of just survive is a decision that I have to make, I really ought to make in every area of my life. On the job, uh, at school, here at church, in my friendships, and my family relationships, I want to make life count. And so I choose to thrive and not just survive despite the risks. Esther chose to thrive and she chose the risk that comes with that choice. She acknowledges the risk in that final statement. I will go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. And this is not a suicidal shrug. If I perish, I guess I perish. No. She's saying, I choose to thrive. The survivor mentality is not an option. I choose to thrive in life. No, no matter what the risks are, don't be one of those who say that you want a life that counts. But on a deeper level, you choose against it because you've made a secret decision to play it safe. You say, I'm not going to go deep in my relationships because there's a risk I might get hurt. I'm not going to reach out to anybody. I might, there's a risk I might get rejected. I'm not going to make a difference. I'm not going to do anything that's important because that way I won't fail or make any mistakes. This is foolishness because there is no such thing as a risk free life. In fact, as Mordecai told Esther, this idea of trying to avoid all risk in life is the riskiest life that you can choose because at you're taking the risk that you could lose everything and everyone that really matters in life. So God calls me to go beyond the fear and adopt the if I perish, I perish kind of conviction where I say life is short. And so like Esther, I choose to thrive or die trying because mere survival is not an option for me. All right, the second truth that God teaches through Esther is that making my life count means making the choice for impact over comfort. You know, I find it interesting that uh, it seems as though Esther, uh, she was kind of blinded to her opportunity to really make an impact. uh, Such that it was Mordecai that had to kind of point out to her. um, Esther, doesn't it seem like maybe you have come to royal position for such a time as this. You know, it's speculation, but I think that Esther missed her opportunity uh, in in her mind because she was blinded by her focus on comfort. When Esther became queen, she was ushered into a A palace of luxury where she was bathed and perfumed and wrapped in silk. And the more she focused on spa treatments and comfort, the more she became blind to the needs of others and the opportunities to make a difference that were all around her. And this is true for me. I cannot be dedicated to my personal comfort and to making a difference at the same time. Because making a difference usually means getting my hands dirty. It it means getting involved in situations that may not be comfortable or convenient. And see, this is another reason why people say that they want to make a difference in life, but then refuse to choose a life that counts. It's because that deep down they understand that they cannot be dedicated to both comfort and a life of impact at the same time. And so they choose comfort, which is foolish, because our comforts are temporary feelings, whereas impact is making a difference that lasts and lasts and lasts, sometimes into eternity. I mean, because Esther chose impact over comfort, God preserved her story in the Bible, and we're still talking about her today. You can't be dedicated to both comfort and impact. You must Choose, choose to make it count. Finally, the third truth that God teaches through Esther is that making my life count means making the choice for God's big plan instead of my little plans. Uh, Let's go back to the rest of Esther's story. After a period of prayer and fasting, Esther went uninvited into the king's presence. But the king extended his scepter to her, and she was pardoned. And then the king listened to Esther as she told him that uh, he was being deceived by Haman. And as a result, well, Haman was executed, and God's people were saved. But not only were God's people saved from annihilation, but many more blessings showered down as a result of Esther's choice to make it count. Now, when Esther made that decision to actually walk uninvited into that throne room, I'm sure she thought that her plans had been destroyed. But when Esther came out on the other side, she could look back and be so thankful that she chose God's big plan instead of her little plans. I'm sure Esther looked back and was so thankful well, she was probably shuddering to think of how close she came to missing her chance to be a part of God's plan. Esther could see that Mordecai was right that, uh, when he said that God was going to fulfill his plan with her or without her. But I'm sure Esther was so grateful that she made life count by letting go of her little plans so that she could embrace God's big plan for her. And some people say... They want a life that counts. But deep down, they will not let go of their little plans. There are people here who are putting a meaningful life on hold because they're too busy holding on to their little plans. There are young men and women here who are single and have put their lives on hold because according to their plan, Life really does not start being meaningful until they get married. But God says, I've got a better plan. How about you choose to make it count now? God says, don't put your life on hold. I've got big plans for you. So don't sulk in singleness. You know, Dedicate yourself to being a mentor in the senior high group here at church. Or uh, mentor uh, uh, some other kid or tutor a kid or... You know, reach out to other singles, but make it count. You know, there's a student here, and, and according to his little plan, he's too young to make a difference. But God says, I've got a better plan. How about you choose to make it count now? Don't put your life on hold. I have you in school for such a time as this. There are students who are so sad and so lonely, only a fellow student can reach them. That's you! Make it count! You know, maybe you do not choose a life that counts because you think it's impossible. and So you put yourself on the shelf. You have put yourself on the shelf because your marriage is a mess or your finances are a mess or you're divorced or you're unemployed or you're just too busy. God says, please let go of your little plans to sit on the shelf and choose my big plan for your life. I have a plan for you where you are for such a time as this. So don't put your life on hold. Make it count. Now, living a life that counts begins with a choice. And before you leave to the here today, I want to give you a chance to make that choice, not only just to yourself, but for someone else who is much bigger and has a much bigger plan for you. Uh, Before you leave here today, I want to give you the chance to make that choice in prayer. The Bible teaches that prayer is two-way communication uh, between you and the one who made you to make a difference and who wants your life to count. You can't have what you want in life until you decide what you want in life. God wants to know. God's all heavens on the edge of their seat, and they just want to know what you want in life. So if you're open to it, not out loud, but just between you and God in your heart, I encourage you to say something like this to God. God, knowing life is short, Whatever time I have left, I choose to make it count. But prayer is two-way communication. So after you say these words, listen. Just listen to God. God loves to respond by giving you some guiding thoughts. Giving you some direction. You know, maybe even about a place to start right now to make it count. So would you just, right now, speak these words in prayer to God and then listen. Would you please stand now? You know, in a moment like this, I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice whether I'm going to hold on to my little plans or I'm going to throw my arms open wide to embrace God and God's big plans.